Welcome to the American Dream Factory podcast. This podcast is the place where we tell the stories of the Innovation Collective. Innovation Collective is obsessively building a global community of innovation hubs where humans can find the magic inside them and then turn that magic into new technology. Now, here's your host for the American Dream Factory, the founder of Innovation Collective, Nick Smoot. Welcome to another episode of the American Dream Factory. I'm Chris Cochran. I'm Nick. And uh, we are here today to talk about uh, Innovation Collective, the, the work we do, the mission that we're on. Uh, and we're really here to talk about how we can uh, do some things differently uh, in our world and make it a better place for everybody. That's kind of the core of what we do. So, uh, Nick, we've been talking on the last couple episodes about kind of the nuts and bolts of how Innovation Collective works and what we do and the system that's being built. Yeah. Uh, and in the first, uh, the last episode, we talked about uh, two of the five key foundational pieces for how the system works. Yep. We talked about community development, uh, which is, and we, and we really did a deep dive into what real genuine community is and means in your mind as opposed to like what most people think. Uh, and then we talked about uh, workforce development and what that looks like and how it could look differently in the future. And we, and if you haven't listened to the last two podcasts, go back and listen to them first yeah. uh, before you listen to this one. Uh, so today I want to talk about the other three. So you're going to have to keep your answers a little shorter cool. so we can fit them into the same time frame. I'll do my best. Because uh, you're, cause you're uh, I learned on the last one, you're a jabberwocky. So yep. um, the third leg of this five-legged stool is? Uh, it's um, innovation development. Okay. What does that mean? Yeah. So, uh, by the way, I stumbled around when I was like, yeah, it's uh, because I sometimes flip innovation development and corporate development. Okay. And, and meaning one before the other because they're kind of interchangeable. But innovation development uh, is, so community development, education development, innovation development. ID is the idea that in these towns, these communities, these cities, as we're working with average Joes and Janes, doesn't matter, socioeconomic level, whatever, you become a part of our community of curiosity, you start setting some outsized goals, you learn new skill sets, you get connected to people, you go through our Inspire program or you go through uh, some workforce training program we put on, and now you've got the big idea. And with innovation development, our community managers are trained to help people come and pitch at our leadership summits, which are every three months, and we have these powerful executives from large corporations, the biggest companies in the world, typically billion dollar companies come in and we do this really fun uh, kind of training, fits on the workforce training side, but then you get to pitch them and then they give you feedback along with myself and other people on our innovation development team. And what we're doing is we're looking for, how do we just help everyone take the next step in their big idea? Uh, And each town has a vertical focus. So we've touched on that in the past, Um, but the vertical focus really helps people hone the ideas so that they're industry specific. And what we're looking for are what ideas do we think have that spark that could change a whole industry? And those are the ones we'll put capital in through our, our venture fund. So we have a fund. Those are the ones where we will put our extra horsepower behind to go, whoa, whoa, whoa. This is the potential to change the game for a large corporation. We will open up doors faster through our, our machine that's designed just to do this for these big brands because these big brands depend on us for that. And it doesn't mean we're not going to help the person who wants to open the bagel shop. That's still part of innovation development. Because for ID, come pitch us for Coffee and Concepts. Share it with us. We've created this whole community of people who the only goal is, cool, let me connect you to the SBIR person. Let me connect you to this angel investor. Let me connect you to this restaurateur. And let's find you a kitchen somewhere. And this whole process is this community-wide, non-transactional, inclusive incubator where it's just like, let's incubate 
this innovation pop, 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 kind of percolate. So um, we'll also step in and advise companies that we know have really interesting ideas. And, you know, we we, we do often call Fortune 100 companies and say, all right, we need to come out and see one. And they come. Like, it's really an exciting thing to watch because they know we don't feed them a bunch of garbage. Uh, we've done really big deals with them powerful deals. And then we also call some of the largest angel investors, VCs in the world uh, to invest alongside of us. Uh, <clears throat> lastly, uh, we're, we're formalizing our accelerator, which we've done early tests in the past, but we realized we probably should figure out community and the education development first and how to do innovation development as a whole community as an incubator. And then we can formalize the accelerator. So that's uh, 90 day sprints with some specific deliverables for specific brands in these communities around the vertical. How is uh, that innovation development, as you just described it, different from uh, traditional incubators, accelerators, yeah. uh, entrepreneur ecosystems, all the buzzwords? Yep. Yeah, no, that's good. That's, that's a great question. So there's really great programs like Startup Weekend. I, I think Startup Weekend is fantastic, but it's a weekend. And then a lot of those projects die off. It's a great exercise for people to kind of go through and flex the muscle of creating a company together, find new roles, test kind of new outfits, right, on their who they are as a creator. Uh, and, and I think it's a great exercise. But often those things don't continue on. In our approach for innovation development, we have 70 events per year. And we are doing it with people who live in the communities. And they're always invited in. And we target all the different socioeconomic groups of country clubs, uh, golf clubs, tennis clubs, United Way, single moms, um, all schools, K-12 schools. And we create this community where they first are curious together, then they learn together, and then they all start to create together. And so why it's different is that our, our goal when it comes to our incubation and innovation development, if we're going to give VC money to it or put it in our accelerator, it needs to be something that we really know can go shoot the moon and be some really crazy R&D that's going to shift an industry because our model is more about get the R&D proven, scalable, and ready to go and find a giant corporation to be the JV partner. It's a great approach for these smaller markets to scale businesses rapidly. However, we don't just work with those companies. We've developed a system that works with everyone's dream. Everyone's dream. And what I think is unique about that, some of the most beautiful accelerators um, I, I bump into that I know of in the country. Tons of applicants want to get into these things, right? 99% of the applicants are denied. Hmm. 1% get in. Those 99% are good people, probably decent ideas, maybe not as good as the 1%. Maybe they're not the right team, but where do they go from there? And a lot of them don't know where to go, right? Um, go back to WeWork and like wander around. And, and, and even in WeWork, I think WeWork's are a great idea, but where's this controlled programming that's holistic um, that really helps human flourishing happen in the whole building? It doesn't. Um, they're not taking this holistic approach. And, and I don't know any co-working spaces, accelerators, incubators um, that, that look at 365 days of the year for 100% of the citizens in their community, for the community members. And that's what's different. Um, so when somebody wants to share an idea, cool. If we think it's a bad idea, we'll tell them. We're honest with them. We go, I don't think that has legs or here's why, but if it's one of your passions and dreams, keep building it. And how can we help you take the next step? Can we connect you to this person, this person, this person across the town? And so we employ people to actually almost be the concierge to everyone's dream in a community. Think about that. Like that's the difference. All right. 
So uh, number three on the list is innovation development. What's number four? Corporate development. And with corporate development, what we realized is as people are creating, one of the most powerful things we could do is get these corporations engaged with us to where they can be sponsors of our big events. They can come in and do our weekend workshop mentorships. We've got a format for that that's pretty beautiful. They can sponsor our education initiatives to get people engaged in their specific talent initiatives. Um, But also they can give us problems that they need solved for real R&D problems or things they want to to have this whole community create around. And they can also come to us and say, hey, look, we want to hire talent rapidly and turn down, almost like on demand, like turn the knobs for a bunch of 1099s that are experts and that are thinkers and been trained in this industry vertical. We have whole towns that are doing that. Like think about that. It's the most powerful, um, you know, they're the Minutemen, ready to go at the drop of a hat, solve big problems, whatever. It's like a, a decentralized venture studio. And, you know, when corporations start to understand that we're asking them to come in and sponsor some events, show up and mentor, get your name on a big event, maybe come out um, and help us with an education thing, their brains immediately go to, oh, it's a give back. Like, yep, 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 a little bit of corporate social responsibility, but it aligns with your vertical of interest. And these people are being trained by us to solve your needs and to become talent for you. Isn't that beautiful? And then when they actually come up with things that matter, we can deliver that IP to you and you guys can scale it with them. Win, win, win. And you can help our accelerator. You want us to run an accelerator around you in that community? Done. You want to be a part of our venture fund and invest directly into these in an early, early stage? Done. And keep in mind, the companies we're doing this with that we're finding in the middle of nowhere multiples of them are worth over a hundred million dollars now. And, and this is not like, you know, this is not being done, you know, in uh, a lot of people like to talk about, you know, tier two cities or these smaller cities. This is being done in like tier 20 cities. Like we're talking <laughs> small town America and it's being done in tier twos and it's being done in tier threes and it's being done in tier ones now. Like this system started in small town America, but now we've bubbled up the chain and it's, Corporate social responsibility meets corporate development in the most beautiful way. All right. Number three, four is uh, corporate res- corporate development. Yep. Uh, number five is? Real estate development. Okay. D- dive into that and tell us why that's a part of the this five-chaired tool, whatever. The five-chaired tool. Yes. I like it. So the reason why it's a part of the five-chaired tool <laughs> is that- uh, It sounds like a kung fu movie. Five, five chaired tool. Five, five chaired tool. Attack of the five chaired tool. I apologize for all those people I just offended, by the way. Yeah, I, I by the way, I used my English accent on that. I don't know if you noticed. So Yes, you did. <laughs> you didn't. Um, the, the, the attack of the five chaired tool. I'm trying to envision what this looks like, and then I'll talk about real estate. Mine kind of looked like an octopus or like a weird porcupine. I hope everyone <laughs> else's did too. Um, so real estate development. What we've discovered is when we're going into a lot of these tier two, tier three, tier four, five, six communities, there is not kind of the the heart of town anymore. It's been gutted. And a lot of these governments um, or have assets sitting on their, their books that are not producing any taxes. They're vacant and abandoned. And we can come into these abandoned assets because we've built a tribe of people. And we will activate this. We'll fill it up with 50, 60 companies. We'll bring colleges in here. We'll bring in you know, the largest corporations in the world in here to come train your people. And we'll put barber shops and coffee shops and restaurants and a bar and offices and apartments and a theater. It'll be like a little Google campus in the middle of your town that people 
Some people come in for free events. Some people pay to have different levels of membership and access. And it becomes this new kind of heartbeat of the community where it's uh, like it's where where it all happens, right? It's the American Dream Factory, we, we give the nickname. And even in these larger cities, we're seeing the same need. Uh, there's a lot of real estate that's up and around everywhere, but not often is it truly inclusive. Uh, it, it, most real estate is transactional. And... We we think very purposely about the design of our buildings. You know, we have a bar in one of ours that you open up with your key fob, a bookshelf opens, you go behind it, and it looks like Soho House. I've heard people tell me this is cooler than the Soho House. And and like wanted to weep because <laughs> like I've been to Soho House and I know people who've helped create it and it's a beautiful thing. And the fact the fact that we can create those experiences for people who don't know what Soho House is and level up their pride and sense of self through placemaking and design and give them affordable yet profitable approaches to placemaking is something that I'm a big believer in. And so we, we've seen when we do one of our, our real estate developments, it creates outsized change. Like we get about two times the price per square foot in our buildings per market. Hmm. And it's, it's how we approach it. It's very reasonable still for people to get in. But we have a really unique method of like, let's put a lot of people in there in different size spaces. And because of all the events and the whole system I, I described, it's an amenity that people want to pay for and they don't want to leave it. And so it, it's sticky. It's not looking at like a pool or, you know, um, ping pong tables as the amenity. It's, it's community as the amenity and transformational community as the amenity that helps me unleash my tomorrow. Uh, so... We not only see that with our properties, but then we see multiple properties spring up around the streets we're on. And then cities need to do parking garages because now there's too many cars down there. So they pass a bond to do parking garages. And then this has to happen. Then this has to happen. Then this has to happen. And so you you come up for air in a year and a half and half the buildings on the same street are painted the exact same way as our building. And people swooped in to buy new properties and spin up apartments and do this and do that. And a whole part of town is revitalized. So I want to get into the details specifically of the the different facets of the placemaking parts of this. Uh, because I, I'll tell you the story and then I'll tell you why uh, we want to get into this. So I was talking with somebody not too long ago uh, in another city who said, hey, I, we, we want to start up our own uh, co-working space. And I said, awesome, you do that. And they said, yeah, we think it, this town really needs co-working. And it's a smaller town. And I go, really? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, do you think there are that many people in your town sitting at home and going, I just need somewhere better than a coffee shop to work? Like, what number is that that you really think would be in your town? Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, and I go, what they really need is community, not a place to work. Yep. So I, I, I tell that story because what happens in an innovation den is very different than when people hear there's co-working, there's blah, blah, blah. Walk us through the essential components of what goes into uh, your and our version of placemaking uh, sure. in redesigning these because they're very specific um, components to each one of these uh, that yeah. have to exist or they wouldn't be an innovation den. Right, right, right. So I think one part is the, the light retail and food and bev. So in a space, um, we make sure that there's some form of light food, beverage, um, and things like a barber shop. P- things where basic commerce can happen because it brings in the, again, the average Joe and Jane who might not come into a standard innovation building, right, or an incubator. 
Uh, it gives them a reason to show up and go, what is this all about? And we have a big theater screen. We have the largest screen in town outside of movie theaters. And we show cartoons on it on the weekends. And the coffee shop gives away free hot chocolate to kids. And again, when the weather's not great, where are families going to come? There. Are we a family center? Nope. We're an innovation building. But you can come there and have free hot chocolate and hang out. I have heard so many times from little kids who come here on field trips, how do I get to work in this building? Or people say, man, my goal in life is to work in this building. First off, that's awesome. Second, wrong goal. Um, like the goal should be, I want to be the kind of person, I think this is what they're trying to say, like I want to live the kind of life that lets me work in this building. And that comes from people loving something so deeply and passionately being obsessed with it, they're, they're going to work hard to figure out how to get it done and be a bit entrepreneurial or different or out of the box. And that to me is this beautiful thing, but they're not exposed to it if they're going into a standard building because they're never going to be in those standard buildings because it's transactional. So that's one piece. Um, they have the F&B and the other spots like a theater. The other one is big co-working areas for people to just get very low cost entry points, little 10 by 10 offices all around, large suites for the, the growing companies and the innovation companies. But then what I love too is if you go um, downstairs, there's a college there in the same building. And across the hall from a college, the bookshelf that opens up, it goes into a bar. And it's like, okay, this is different. And it's, it's reshaping how people think about education, work, and community uh, very quickly and very clear, clearly to where it's, it's molding their minds and kind of ruining them. Uh, I couldn't imagine being a college student here and being around companies like Facebook and Microsoft and, um, you know, Boeing and drone companies coming in and out of here. And, and then you meet with your professors behind a bookshelf. Like we jokingly say, these kids probably think they're at Hogwarts. Um, so I, I think, you know, that's at the core. The building is definitely a mission, but it's profitable. It's very profitable. And, you know, we let events happen in here, but we make sure the events aren't weddings and, you know, random stuff that's off brand. We focus on things that drive community and curiosity in, in, in the town. And we do charge for a lot of them. Uh, we have a nonprofit rate, but the main mission is how do you make this the new town square? Uh, now, you've also been obsessing with uh, uh, including live spaces as well yep. into these. Why? Yeah, um, primarily because I think we broke community. Uh, and I think we broke community through what we built through the Industrial Revolution. And somehow as the, the general public of America, I can't speak for every country. I've been working with other countries' governments and economies now. Um, but in our country, the general public somehow believed that the goal was to make the GDP grow faster and bigger only and not to have another standard metric for like, but how do we take care of ourselves and find joy in life and happiness and laughter? And so we didn't really figure out how to measure that. We just measured GDP. And then we just kind of put on the blindfolds and played that game where someone kind of guides you through the room or the maze we're like, all right, capitalism, guide us, because I want a house and a dog and a fence and a wife and a car and a kid, like, and lead me. And so we entrusted this metric of GDP only, and we entrusted this system of capitalism to lead us to a conclusion that would be full of life. And instead, what it has done is it has unbundled the tribal nature of humans and the support system that made us 
so damn happy. And we were so damn happy because it's how we were, we've discovered flourishing together. And so we became more private and we got these large housing developments and we got these locations that kind of changed how we interacted with commerce and our neighbors and education and church and sports. And we're non-religious, non-political, but look, church played a key role in society and religious activities and how people, depending on their religion, how they discovered their, their moral compass. And a lot of those conversations have died and it's not getting any better the more we get connected to screens and we communicate through wires. And so I, I can't help but ask the question, you know, could we build these facilities and our next ones, they all have apartments planned in them. Can we build these facilities that just people can work and live and play and learn and create together? And the primary focus is just you pursuing the best you, the tomorrow that you want. And multi-generationally. So if you're you know, a senior citizen, pick to live in our building in your, your end of life years. Why? Well, because if this building is the one that's around the future of space and aerospace travel, and your whole life you want to be an astronaut, but you ain't going to make it anymore, buddy. Like, could you go live in this space community and NASA and JPL and uh, Idaho National Labs who built the Mars rover part of it and SpaceX, they're all going to be there doing talks and think tanks and fireside chats. And there's young people building startups and the college is focused on the future of space. And there's VC money going to space exploration. And there's all this nerd speak going on. Would you not be happier again being around a tribe of people who are aligned in the beliefs of what you want? And you wake up and you see them and they high five you. And then you go to little groups on the, the weekdays and the evenings and have a beer down in the bar. And you talk about your, you know, who do you want to become? And, and how am I managing my health to become that as a senior citizen? And how, how am I pursuing my community engagement as a senior citizen to become that? And, and my fun and, you know, my, my family. Maybe you have some bad relationships from your history that you didn't handle as a family. And your family relationships. And this little community encourages you to re-engage with certain people in a healthy way and lets you become who you want to become. Are you not happier being around people who want to support you like that? Like, I believe so. And it's not just about happier. It's when you then have struggle in your life emotionally or financially or or whatever it is, there are people who they got your back and you can't run from them because guess what? When you come back to the kibbutz, they're right in the kibbutz and you can go hide in your room for a little while, but at some point we just need to be around each other. I know people want their privacy. Look, I'm not saying like, let's live in these weird compounds where everyone has to just bump into each other all the time, but there is something definitely missing, definitely missing from society where we are in true community. So the apartment piece to me we give that kind of structure to college students and we give that kind of structure to people who are about to die. Why can't we figure out how to like make it cooler for everyone in the middle and invite both those sides in? It's really funny if you look at the history of design of homes in America. Uh, we went from living in large, giant families close together to single family homes that got, well, they got bigger and bigger actually. But at one point in our society, uh, the largest room in every home was the parlor. And the parlor was the gathering place for the, your neighbors and your community. And it was the place where it was safe to have conversations about politics, religion. And at the end of the day, you all left the parlor as friends and as brothers in arms in this community that you yep. were part of. Yep. And somewhere in the 1920s, if you look at it, uh, the parlors started to disappear. Hmm. And so did our society started to change. Yeah. And, and we lost that 
human connectedness. You still get your privacy, but you still get got your community when we had the parlors part of the homes. And I, and I bring that up only to say um, design, that's a design choice. Oh, yeah. It's a very much a design choice. And it, and it may be or may not have been reflected in what the values were going on in society, but it also could be that society's values started changing because somebody made a different design choice. And so when you look at the design of an innovation den, are you taking those kinds of things into account? Yes, absolutely. Like, what does the space look like? How does it accommodate community, like our large gathering halls, the bigger conference rooms? You, you know what's funny is the the porch out front of our building. One of the things we're putting out there is just a long, 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 long table. Why? Well, where can you get a table to seat 50 people? Yeah. You can't. But I want one. Because why? Well, because you probably maybe at some point want to get 50 friends together and let's facilitate that. That'd be awesome. Um, you know, we've had, uh, we've had family reunions rent our large conference room here because we have a giant Apple TV on the wall, a chalkboard. They bring in a feast. They eat in there at this long table and have their family reunion in our large conference room. And it's just showing this indicator of like, where, where is that in the world? It's missing. It's missing. Mm-hmm. And, and we, we build these big houses, but we don't use them for, for friends and for life. We use them to store crap we don't need. And that's a whole nother um, scary piece when you look at what happened when it comes to the industrial revolution and us getting cheaper items faster at a lower quality to meet a price point we thought was what we wanted. What we ended up with was storing boxes of crap all over these homes. We buy bigger homes, not for friendship, for people or for creativity, but just to store junk. And so, you know, I do think um, when we look at, you know, different facilities, different structures, how they're going to evolve. Uh, we've got to design for people running into each other, kind of um, program serendipity, might we say, where we put the bathrooms, um, how we structure the events, uh, all, all those things to me matter. So we're, we're, we're even starting to look at, I mean, we're seven years into this, we're looking at how do we approach and address um, subscriptions to meal plans potentially in the buildings. And not for the sake of, you know, well, let's get more money out of these people. It's more of how do we create community and serendipity and how do we buy bulk and higher product foods and quality foods we can distribute to everyone and create really good meals. And how do we, how do we increase the quality of life for all? So it's, it's very purposeful. Yeah. Awesome. All right. So we, uh, we hit all of them in this talk. We talked about community building, workforce development, uh, corporate development, uh, innovation development and real estate development. Uh, if somebody's listening to this mm-hmm. and we'll close with this yeah. and they go, that all is awesome, but it sounds either way too good to be true or so expensive. It would be unattainable for my community. What would you answer them? It's not. Um, I mean, our first one, we, we approached it very, very, very bootstrap to the point where we even had a thing called the bootstrap lounge. Um, and if you ever want photos of that, like I'll share a photo of the bootstrap lounge sometime and you can laugh, but I think you can start these kind of communities, um, just through your own sheer will and, and strategy and using our kind of our thinking to build it and you can build it in your own neighborhood. But if you want to build it at scale, yes, it's going to take some money. However, um, understand there's a lot of ways to approach this where look, the government wants to help 
with improving the quality of life, how much money they spend on trying to improve the quality of life in their towns already. And they're fighting the human capital problem. You're going to fight it one way or another. You're going to pay for it one way or another. You're going to pay for it by people who are in, in and out of the system or on local support. So we're a way to kind of help spring that up. And we're very low cost when it comes to how we approach and deliver these. It's shockingly low for the events and programming. The education is often subsidized by our partners who are already mandated to do this, the colleges and the big corporations. Innovation development and the venture fund stuff, we you know work with family offices and big brands to deploy capital into them. So, you know, community wins from there. And then when it comes to the real estate and placemaking, when you have a, a dead building on your hands, that's not paying taxes. We'd happily take it off your hands and we'll handle all the TI build out and get that thing rocking and rolling with our partners and fill it up. And when the offices come about and the apartments, guess what? They're modern pricing, reasonably priced because they're modernized spaces. I hate the word affordable housing because it sounds like you get a crap product. Instead, I want to use the words modernized living and modernized housing and modernized offices because it's smaller than the typical 3,000 square foot home. But guess what? You're not going to have as much crap anymore because we want you to change how you live. And so do you. So, um, you know, this whole thing, yeah, there's a lot of money that goes into it. But also remember, there's so much cash in the system and it has no home. Hmm. We are your home. Come play. Awesome. And on that note, thank you, Nick Smoot, for uh, being with us again today. Uh, if you want to find us on the interwebs, we are all over them. Uh, Facebook, Instagram, and our website is innovationcollective.co, not yeah. .com. Uh, and uh, we'd love to hear from you. There's a reply, uh, tell us more button on our homepage. You can click that and, and real human beings actually get that email. Yep. Um, like maybe even two of them be are behind the microphone right now. We see those emails and we respond to them uh, really quickly actually. So reach out, let us know uh, how you want to play and uh, we'll see you next time on the American Dream Podcast. Bye. Thanks for listening. If you want to reach out, you can email us at innovationcollective.co. That's innovationcollective.co, not .com. We'll see you next time on the next episode of the Innovation Collective Podcast.